today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie Email todaycb at rte.ie. Now I'm joined in the studio by Pippa Hackett, Green Party Senator and Minister of State for Land Use and Biodiversity at the Department of Agriculture. You're very welcome and thank you thank for coming you in. Just before we come to your own brief, we've just been talking about the issues at RTE around exit packages. We know that your colleague, Minister Catherine Martin, is meeting Kevin Backhurst and Shuni Rahali this morning. With an absence of clarity around that issue, around exit packages, and we've heard what Alan Dillon wants to know and he wants to know in the next couple of days all of the detail around exit packages. Do you think the time is right to have a conversation about future funding of RTE or does that issue around those packages need to be resolved in full first? Um, I think first I just want to acknowledge the challenging time that it is, you know, for yourself and the people who work in this building and in the organisation of RTE. You know, this is an ongoing problem. It's not clearly been cleared up well enough. You know, we thought maybe at the end of last year we'd, we'd reach the end. But again, we, we're just such a challenging time now. And the drip feeding of the information must be is incredibly frustrating, not only for RTE and its workers, but also for, for government, also for Minister Martin and, uh, and, and all the politicians. But I think we have to uh, take it all in the round. I think, you know, obviously the meeting today is going to be important with Minister Martin and, and the DG and the, the chair. Um, um, I don't think the focus is entirely just on the funding. I think we do need to clear up what the issues are now. But I mean, we are still awaiting the independent reports um, that government itself commissioned um, and they're due very shortly, I understand. So I think, you know, when we get all of that information and clear up a lot of, I think, the the, the, the muddied waters that exist at the moment, um, you know, those reports will come with mm. recommendations. But, but there have been many demands over the yeah. last number of days since Wednesday and the, the, the demands are growing louder now that people find out exactly what went on with all of those exit packages. Do you want to know? Well, I think I think transparency, and that's a word that's been used an awful lot in the last couple of weeks, is key here. And I think we're, we haven't seen transparency. And I think that's what the, the frustrations are building up around that. And it is just finding one thing out and then another thing out. I think we do need the transparency. And I think that's something Minister Martin has called for repeatedly, you know, mm. over the last number of months. Are we there yet? Not yet, it seems. So I think, you know... But we do have that legal advice as well, which we're told about from Kevin Backers mm-hmm. that he's legally prevented from from telling uh, people about those packages. Yeah, but I mean, he has said he will s- further seek more legal advice around that. Um, I think it's important that whatever, m- maybe if we don't get the individual details, but certainly transparency around how and you know how, how the decisions are made as to what the packages are and, and the justifications for those, because okay. there does need to be justification here. Uh, OK, well, we'll, we'll await um, further information. We expect something to emerge from that meeting, which is happening later this morning. Now, to your own brief, ash dieback. It's a, a lethal disease. It's it's tragic, really, for our ash trees and it represents an existential threat to the majority of ash trees I know in this country. Um, a very important tree for lots of reasons, culturally, economically, mm-hmm. ecologically, because it's an excellent tree when it comes to supporting the rich and diverse ground flora. Um, You're in a pickle on this. The grant aid package offered to farmers to establish the woodland and and to plant trees. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them opted to plant ash. And then since 2012, that investment is worth next to nothing. 
Are you planning to compensate those landowners for the ash that they planted and have lost? Well, I suppose just to put ash in the context of the wider forestry scene, um, we have about 23,000 forest owners across the country um, at the moment in forestry. Um, as there's about 6,500 um, of those have some ash on their on their, on their farms or on, uh, in, in plantations. Um, and, um, you know, I think about two thirds of those or three quarters of those have an area of less than five, five hectares. Now, it's not to demean any of this. It's it's a very um, um, tragic thing in, in certain circumstances for to have happened. <clears throat> the wider, um, as you say, the wider countryside has been affected by ash dieback also. But I suppose the focus of my department and me at the moment is on those plantation owners who did invest, um, you know, through state supports, you know, in their land to plant trees. Um, I think when I took over this um, uh, portfolio, you know, three and a half years ago, you know, there were challenges around licensing, there were challenges around there was delays and appeals. We've cleared up all that. We also needed a new forest programme. That took a long time to get over the line. That was approved finally last September. The ash dieback issue is, is, a, is a third part, if you like, of the challenges affecting forestry for over the last number of years. And it is something I've repeatedly said, I'm determined to come up with a package. The challenge is we are operating within the confines of European Union state aid rules. Um, and they're quite um, explicit when it comes to, to forestry compensation, if you like, that no aid may be granted for loss of income resulting from fires, natural disasters, Disasters, you know, climate events, including pests and so forth. So we're we're we have to operate within those constraints. We have to operate within um, constraints in terms of um, spending taxpayers' money. Um, so we're working closely with the Department of Public Expenditure on this. So are you um, saying you can't compensate no, these farmers? I, compensation isn't the right, um, I suppose, term. We are looking at a, trying to come up with a package that um, you know um, supports the restoration, if you like, of these forests. And that's that's the the, the area we're working within to try and come up with a suitable package That's that will, that will though, help. That's different to, to saying that we will compensate farmers for the loss of yes. the stock of the tree because yeah. if it were beef for example there probably would be a compensation There might scheme. be certain but there's different state aid rules for animals or different state aid rules for crops and there's another set of different state aid rules for forestry and those are the ones unfortunately we have to work within. Saying that we have been making quite a lot of progress between my department and, and indeed uh, the Commission and the, uh, the Department of Public Expenditure it's longer than I would have liked. Um, I'm frustrated by the pace of progress here, but I am confident we will come up with something, um, you know, pretty, pretty in the short term. I can't say when, um, but I think what the most important thing is that we have to get this right because we have had two previous schemes that farmers across the country have not been entirely happy with. Mm. You know, we have had a number of farmers engage with it. Um, you know, several hundred have. But on the whole, we do need to to, to get ash die back um, and the challenges around that dealt with as soon as possible. So you've no timeline on it? Not just yet. I mean, and I know there will be quotes of me out there, you know, even from before Christmas saying hopefully in a matter of weeks. And that's what I genuinely felt at the time. And that's what the, 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 the sense was. Um, it is taking longer than, than hoped. But um, look, Forestry is a long, uh, a long term project. You know, it's a 30, 40, 50 year uh, project. So what the important and some is people spend, have so invested that amount they, of time in this and they're sitting there watching the trees die. They absolutely have. And but I have been encouraging all the way along. I mean, the first entrance point to any any scheme we come up with is to get the, the, those dead and dying trees removed. And the scheme is open to do that. So mm-hmm. anyone with ash should engage with the current um, ash dieback scheme and um, they will not be disadvantaged advantage 
whenever we bring bring in um, further measures. And farmers and representative to. groups say that the amount of money available for clearance just isn't enough. Well, that's sort of contrary to what the independent review, we had an independent review done on this last year. Um, it was published in September and it found that, you know, we had increased, we doubled the, the you know, the cost and the, 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 we doubled the fee, if you like, the expense to, um, um, or to, to clear trees. Um, the, the independent review felt that that was enough. Now, there will be different circumstances. Um, people are entitled to plant after the trees are removed any one of a different number of, of, of um, different types of trees can go back in. There's different costs associated with those and that will be covered as well. Okay, you know, but we cover that cost. They can't cut their losses and decide to diversify away from forestry. Um, can they? they can't remove the trees and, and not have trees. Yes, those those lands are, are essentially need to be permanently under, under forested land. Um, farmers can though go into something like um, agroforestry where they could mix uh, stock or crops with, with trees. And again, the, the grant... Mm covers the extra cost associated with returning land okay, to that type Another of issue with ash dieback is a public liability one and we will have hedgerows full of diseased ash mm-hmm. which may cause a danger for road users. What is your message to anyone who has ash in their own property and it's it's coming onto a road or threatens to fall onto a road. What do they do? Um, well, there's nothing new around roadside trees in terms of um, the responsibility um, lies with the landowner. That has always been the case. So whether it is ash or any other type of tree, if there is a tree that is a danger to the road, it is the responsibility of that landowner um, to, so to remove that tree. they would have to tree. pay for a tree surgeon to come out and take that away? Um, yes, or, or, or have, yeah, have qualified and skilled people to do that. Now, there is I think in the light of the ash dieback issue, um, obviously far more trees are now affected and, you you know, people will become more familiar with it as they drive around the country. So, I mean, that's slightly outside of my own department's remit, but that's something that across government we may have to look at in terms of how we might support landowners to do that safely. You know, and that, that ultimately is the main thing. It's safety here. And I was looking um, last night, there are some efforts to try and find a more resilient strain mm-hmm. of ash. How is that work progressing? Um, um, it's interesting because some people will anecdotally re- report that the trees that, you know, maybe on their lands that they felt looked not, you know, poorly over the last couple of years look less poorly now. And um, there are indications that there are maybe one or two percent of trees that do show um, resistance to it. And of course, we really want to protect those trees. You know, we want to keep those trees in the ground and we don't want everyone taking every single ash out. So um, I know Chagas um, do work as well in terms of research on trying to identify um, trees that are resilient to this. That's not going to be a solution in the short term. Not though, in the short term, but saying. maybe in the long term. So, you know, maybe in the future, the, the, the future of ash won't be won't be so bleak. But at the moment it is. I mean, it's endemic across Europe. It's not just an issue for Ireland mm. or the UK. But it has been an issue here since 2012. And I think you touched yeah. on this, as how it has been dealt with in the past. And mm-hmm. the expert report was very critical of the fact that this has been let go uh, the way that it has and that the farmers have been left in, in this situation. Is that a source of frustration for you? It is. I mean, obviously, the t- previous two, um, if you like, schemes were before my time. But I mean, I think the, the intent of the department originally was to try and just slow down, you know, to remove the diseased trees. And hopefully that, you know, this was this was through research at the time that would stop the spread. Then the next stage was to sort of just to gently replace those trees. Again, maybe both of those approaches clearly haven't worked in terms of stemming the spread of it. It is endemic. So we do need to take a little bit more of a, you know, a strong handled approach mm-hmm. to how we deal with this again operating within those confines of the state aid rules and the IFA predicting that this could cost
cost between 800 million and a billion euro to fix. You don't agree with that? Um, I don't think it will cost that. I mean, that, that you know, I, I don't even know where they're getting those figures from. Well, they say from. it will cost 7,000 per hectare to remove diseased trees. Well, if whatever, well, we're at the moment we we have a, a payment rate of about two thousand per hectare, but we difference. also but we also pay the grant rate to replant. So I'm not too sure if they're including in that, and that can range from you know five thousand, six thousand, seven thousand per hectare. So you know you're probably up around eight or nine thousand per hectare to 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 do the the work on the field on the on the on the plantations. The other side of it is, can we? you know, support the farmers in the future to manage those trees mm-hmm. in the short, in, you know, the next number of years. If, and that's you, the if, bit we're if you weren't at. prevented by state aid rules from compensating farmers for the loss of the tree stock now that they will have to remove, do you think it is just and right that, that it would be the appropriate thing to do I, if I think, the rules allowed it? I, th- I think, I mean, I, and I've said this before, if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to be able to support farmers in this. Um, you have to be, I suppose, aware that um, these farmers will have already received, you know, maybe between f- 50 in 20 years, some of them are still in premia of tax-free payments. So, you know, the state has already paid out. Yes, the trees have become diseased and have died. And, and, and that is not, not, you know, that's not through the fault of, of the government. It's not through the fault of the farmers, but this is something that has happened. Well, it but hasn't we, been dealt with by government since 2012. And we saw that in the well, expert report. I mean, we have, we have tried to deal with it and, and unsuccessfully, as you say, um, in the report has indicated that. But saying that farmers have still availed of the supports that have existed. But I think we are at a stage where we do have to come up with something, um, you know, stronger, more supportive of farmers. At the end of the day, this has dampened and dented confidence in forestry as a whole. And we, we don't want to see that. You know, we're, we're yeah. we, you know, we're wholly reliant on, on farmers and private landowners to plant trees to, to meet our targets. So how do you fix that? How do you fix that dent in confidence? Well, I think, I mean, we're partially, we, I think we've done quite good work so far in getting a, the, the best, the biggest and best ever forestry programme, you know, approved by the European Commission last year. Um, you know, that's 1.3 billion euros to be invested in Irish farmers, if you, mostly Irish farmers over the next, um, you know, tw- next 20 years. And um, that's tax free again, you know, so we have incentivised, we have been doing that for a while, mm. but this is the biggest and the best and the most valuable. And I'd encourage any farmer even thinking about planting trees, look at the figures, look at what you can bring into your farm, look how you can support your farm income through okay. planting trees. Organic farming, just just to ask you about this, because we see in Europe the average of our of total number of farmers in Europe who are going organic is between 8 and 9%. We're at 4% here. I know that's increased mm-hmm. a little bit, but it's not where you want to be. So how are you going to change that? Um, I, we are, you're right, we're coming off a very low base in Ireland when, you know, this government was formed, we were less than 2%. And we're actually closer to 5% now of the land being farmed organically, you know, for this year. Um, our, our target really under the Climate Action Plan is to reach 10% by 2030. I mean, it's still well below the EU's target of 25%, but off the low base we've come from. I think that is quite ambitious. We're on track. We've had um, seen certainly a great um, interest from farmers across Ireland um, in, in farming organically. Um, I think certainly the pressures on agriculture in general over the last number of years have have, have, have probably helped focus the mind a little bit on how pe- farmers farm, cost of fertiliser, cost of energy and so forth has, has you mm-hmm. know, changed how farmers farm. We've had many farmers on this programme and they tell us that first of all they're not sure what they're being asked to do and then there's a cost implication and they say it's very hard to go green if you're in the red and that's a big problem isn't it? Yeah but I mean I mean if you're I mean the supports that the government have put in place now for 
for for organic farming are, are you know are far and beyond many of the other supports that exist for farming. I mean, for example, for like a forty hectare farm, that's about a hundred acres. You're looking at a farm bringing in over sixty thousand euros over the next five years. You know, you're not going to get that out of any other scheme. Um, we've incorporated a, 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 a cost into that to cover some of the costs of registration and courses you have to do. So that there's mm. a there's there's no cost per se financially. I, yeah, I suppose there's a big about turn though for farmers, isn't there? Because they were pushed in the one way, increase your production, increase it, you, the amount of mm-hmm. beef you had on your farm, to this now. It's a big shift, isn't it, in how you have to think about doing things? It, it can be, but it's more of a shift in the mind, to be honest, for a lot of farmers rather than what they do on the ground. It doesn't necessarily mean a drop-off in production or anything. You're just farming the land in a different way. And when the land adapts to not being um, you know, fertilised regularly and pesticides used on it, it's amazing how quickly the soil adapts, how quickly the, the, the biology of the soil responds. Um, and I can speak as a farmer myself and beef and sheep farmer. We're organic for 10 years and we certainly over the first couple of years uh, just saw how our farm changed, adapt. And, you know, we're growing as much grass as we ever grew before. Mm. Difficult, though, in the first couple of years, I would um, say, when you were making the transition. A little bit. It can be difficult. But as I said, the difficulty is not necessarily in the practical farm based. It's more like getting your mind around it and you have to think a little bit differently about how you farm. You're probably thinking a little bit more um, into the future, you know, uh, rather than and you're not relying on that bag mm-hmm. of fertiliser to, to get things going in the spring. We'll leave it there. But thank you for coming in. Minister of State Pippa Hackett back after this break. Text 51551 today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.